As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sif Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that didn't think there needed to be a nudity clause in the Hulk's contract, it's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Streaming Live on Mixler every Friday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless of course you're a patron. Patrons get those perks. <laughs> Patrons get those perks. I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. Each week I'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And today's guru from CinemaSins, it's Chris Atkinson. Yay! And there was much rejoicing. <laughs> nice little Monty Python to start us off. Mm-hmm, uh, Chris, mm-hmm. it is so good to have you back. Um, always love it when you're on. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite things, too, because I think, you know, uh, to hear you guys on the Sincast and then to have you or Barrett or Jeremy uh, on Sif Pop as well, it's just such a, a great thing to kind of pull you guys out of the CinemaSins, you know, writing, nitpicking kind of thing into the world of, you know, dissecting film because you guys are so thoughtful, so intelligent, and I love the insights I get whenever one of you guys is on the show. Thank you, Aaron. I uh, don't think that uh, very many people who know us as just CinemaSins probably think of us that way. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Um, but, uh, you know, I had an interesting uh, uh, thing that happened the other day on Facebook where um, I, I had this you know, notification that we were mentioned in some sort of Facebook post. So I went over and looked at it, and somebody wrote a post saying, you know, does anybody have a movie podcast that they'd like to recommend and they really get into it with movies and so on and so forth? So everybody was listing their their different podcasts. And finally, someone wrote uh, Sincast presented by CinemaSins. And the guy wrote back saying, I hate CinemaSins because they're so nitpicky. And that's the exact I don't want to get what I don't want to listen to. Right. And uh, 
And so, and he had like two likes or whatever. And I was like, ah, well, I mean, I get, hopefully this guy will come back and say, which he did. He came back and said, our podcast was nothing like the videos. So you get to sort of get the insight into what we really think about movies when we're in our syncast mode. Yeah, I think you can watch the video. I think if you watch the videos, you have to know that you guys love movies. Like, I, at least for me, even though you're picking them apart in your, you know, having this fun conversation, which, by the way, all of us do when we watch a movie, uh, enjoy mm-hmm. kind of like talking like that with friends. Uh, even though you're kind of even though there's a negative slant to what you're doing with the films there, you have to love cinema love you know movies in general to make some of the observations you're making to have some of the reference references that you're doing and what i love about the the podcast you know uh, extension of that uh and having you here on this show as well is then you get to see the real chris you know the real jeremy the real barrett and get to understand okay this this is who they are as far as when they love a movie this is how they talk about it when they think a movie's mediocre this is how they talk about it you know um, and, right. and I've, and I've also seen as I've become more involved in kind of what you, you guys do, um, I've also seen how much care you take with movies that are good, even when you're sending them, uh, to mm-hmm. have that reverence for them. Or I, I think of the recent one you did for, um, seven, uh, you know, there's just, right. such a, there's such a reverence for that movie in this video that's tearing it apart, uh, which I love. Right. I find that stuff really interesting. Yeah, um, and, and seven was extremely hard to come up with. You know, you know, I started to think that there was a possibility that uh, we'd get back to our old like three or four minute video with seven. But uh, you know, you get—I um, don't know—you you the way we are trained, quote unquote, to do this now. It's like we will we'll find as much as we possibly can and then just go with it. But we are also, yeah, with a movie like Seven, we want to make sure that people know, like, yeah, you know, while we're doing this, we want you to know that we like it, too. So um, we usually do that with those movies that we hold in high regard. If you see, like, a lot of times where we're removing sins and stuff like that, then you know that we probably liked it. Yeah. Um, well, anyways, I, I love the work. I love having you on, and I'm really excited to talk about a lot of fun stuff with you. Of course, we'll have you know our buried treasure at the end. We've got a really cool Sift quest that we're going to go on uh, that was given to us through email. Um, we've got a best ever challenge that we're going to do on best movies featuring God or gods, uh, which I think could be an mm-hmm. interesting one to talk about. Uh, of course, based on the fact that, uh, that Thor Ragnarok uh, is Thor himself is a god. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, of course, we're going to review Thor. Uh, first thing we do, however, is a uh, thing called Do We Care? Basically, I'm going to read some pop culture headlines to you, and then we'll decide if we care enough to really talk more about them uh, beyond a few comments. Um, I have to start with this one. Uh, Beyonce cast is Nala in the live-action adaptation of The Lion King. Chris, I am so excited to hear mm. your thoughts on this. Do we care? Hmm. Um... You know, it's hard. It's hard to care about this from the very beginning, right? Um, uh, and I'm, I am certain Beyonce has been, uh, has been cast for you know, ab- absolute, unbelievable, widespread appeal. Uh, she seems a little bit too old to play Nala. If I'm really being like, you know, if I'm really thinking about this critically. Um, not well, that she I think doesn't, a, I think there's an old, not an older Nala, like the teenage Nala, you know, young adult Nala. And then there's also the, the cub Nala too, which I think is a different voice. 
Right. No, I'm not talking about the 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 child Nala. I mean, like when she's an adult, even I think like I I feel like Nala is even is like more of a teenager or mm-hmm. in her twenties or something like that. Now Beyonce could definitely pull that off. I mean, it's not like she looks like you know she's sixty or something. Yeah. Know? It's a, but uh, but um but yeah, I mean. Uh, the only acting that I've ever seen Beyonce do is in Dreamgirls and in uh, Austin Powers, uh, the, I think it was Goldmember. Um, those are the only ones that I, only movies I've seen her in. And she's, she's perfectly fine. I just, you know, I, I don't know. I don't really, I don't, I guess I don't care enough about this Lion King to really care whether or not they cast certain people. It was in int- the roles. It was interesting because I saw uh, one of the Twitter responses, which is how I get a lot of my information, uh, was somebody basically saying, oh, uh, something along the lines of, man, a live-action Lion King, we don't need this. And then it was like dot, 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 and then in all caps, Beyonce, I'm so in. Actually, I think it was uh, <laughs> it was like it was all caps Beyonce, and then it was like, nah, Savinia. So it was like, you know, they were getting excited about the movie. So it was one of those things where I'm like, you know, it is interesting to see Disney play the marketing game in this way. Uh, and to because they released this picture of all the entire cast with, you know, the roles that they were playing. And it is an mm-hmm. it is an impressive list. And, you know, it's like they are they are coming to the table and going, look, even if it's a bad idea to do we're going to do like the most incredible version of this bad idea that we can. Uh, you know, I'm just, right. because I look down at that list and I'm just like, that is perfect casting, perfect casting. I think Donald Glover is going to be perfect for Simba. Um, you know, uh, I think, uh, what is it? John Oliver doing Sazu is like such a perfect choice. It is perfect. Um, so um, it, it's one of those things that I, you know, I, I'm getting more interested in as, you know, the details kind of come out. The only other thing yeah. I, the only other thing I would mention about it is it is a little strange to me although I think it's probably the right decision to have James Earl Jones be the same character in both uh, when everything right. else is recast that did strike me as a little bit strange but I, I don't know it, it does seem even though it's strange like yeah maybe that's the right way to go well they may have wanted to just keep this a black cast but well for mostly black cast mm-hmm. anyway Um and and there's no reason to replace James Earl Jones under those circumstances, um, because I'm sure that if you saw if you had a picture of the people who did the voices of the Lion King, uh, compared to the picture of the people who are cast in the live action version, right. it would be starkly different. Yeah. Um. So um. So I I think that in and plus also you get to keep that um. Uh, you, well, you don't. You, we don't have uh, Madge Sinclair with us anymore, but uh, that terrific sort of uh, coming to America connection, where James and Madge Sinclair played his wife, and then they again played King and Queen in Lion King. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so you get to keep that. You get to keep that uh, James Earl Jones at least uh, for uh, for this for this movie. And I think everybody might be expecting James Earl Jones. It's like who else do you put in that role at this point? Yeah, exactly. I think I think you're exactly right on that. Um, it seems like the right decision to make. Um, all right, let's move on to the second one. Uh, this one 
is about some Mindy projects. Uh, Mindy Kaling to produce two new comedies uh, from her Mindy Project team. This is in addition to uh, pitching a Four Weddings and a Funeral anthology show that she might do. Hmm. Um, so I asked the question, Mindy Kaling, do we care? Uh, you know what? Here's here's I, here's my answer about that. I love Mindy Kaling. I, I mean, I've... I loved her on The Office, but I did not follow along to watch her new that came out uh, later on, and I can't remember what it's even called. At this the Mindy point. Project. Uh, the Mindy Project, which is, you know, it should be easy enough, right? Um, <laughs> but um, but from what I can tell, every time I've seen her, I've really liked her. I just, uh, you know, when she, when I hear any kind of news about somebody's setting up some new TV show, I sort of get this idea that, you know, well, I'll, I, maybe I'll see it. Maybe I won't. I don't know. I mean, it's not, it's not, it won't be appointment viewing for me probably. Yeah. Mm, so I like her a lot. I just don't, I can't say that I would just definitely, and that goes for almost anybody really. Um, there's not really many people who I, you told me that they were making a TV show that I would go watch unless it's some legend like Jack Nicholson or somebody like that, because that would be interesting. Here's what I find interesting about it, and we don't have to talk about it too much because uh, I just I am so surprised and I think pleased when somebody who I would never have guessed, uh, in this case, Mindy Kaling, you know, from her performance on The Office as you know a secondary character. Uh, becomes a media mogul like you know in in Mm -hmm. donald glover is kind of the same way too you know they they take that next step where it's like okay it's more than just they're good at what they do and maybe they're a decent producer when they're asked to produce it's like oh they're going to be a content force in the industry and uh and when she did the mini project and i watched the first few episodes of the mini project i just didn't it just wasn't for me i just wasn't enjoying it um, I've watched mm-hmm. a few episodes since then when people who are close to me have said, you know, you really should watch the show. It's really funny. So I've gone back and watched a couple episodes and I think it did, uh, apparently get better and maybe I should have stuck with it. Um, mm-hmm. but it's kind of interesting now that that's finishing up that this person, this secondary character on the office is, you know, really turning into a bit of a media mogul, which I, I don't know. I find yeah. that, I find that really cool. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. Um, and- that there are people out there who recognize that there are different voices to be had out there and um and that she's really good at what she does and so they are they're giving her a license to do those things and that's why it's a conflicting question for me because um because even though i i love everything i've seen her in it doesn't excite me immediately and it's just the way my life is and all that type of stuff (laughs) it's just it's like all right well if someone tells me it's good i might watch it i don't know i mean it uh, nothing is a sure thing even if you have talented people behind it um speaking of talented people let's go ahead and get into the third one uh this just broke yesterday i think twilight zone reboot is coming on cbs all access from director Jordan Peele, uh, do we care? Hmm. Well, yeah, I do. Um, I don't know why. I, I, I guess I do know why. I mean, they need it for branding purposes to call exactly. it Twilight Zone. Yeah. But can't we just call it something else and just make it a new anthology type series or new? I guess this would be uh, isolated episodes like Twilight Zone, but. Um, 
But uh, yeah, uh, at this point, after Get Out, uh, anything that and well, and even <laughs> Key and Peele, I love Key and Peele too. So anything with Jordan Peele's name on it, I'm going to be very interested in. Yeah, and he proved with Get Out that you know he is a talent to be reckoned with as well. Um, Get Out, by the way, maybe making a sneaky run at awards this year. Like I'm, I'm hearing some oh. buzz. Uh, that people may Interesting. be maybe uh, looking at that movie, um, you know, come award season as we're kind of heading into it. Uh, a lot of that will depend yeah. on how hard the the big hitters hit here at the end of the year. But um, but it could be could be interesting to see that that movie because I mean, obviously, horror movies don't ever really get nominated for the big awards. So yeah, although it, you know what they might be recognizing is that this is just much more than a horror movie and right. it has a lot more social commentary to it. The um, uh, Get Out is still probably my favorite movie this year. Is your number one? I don't you think? think there's been. I think so. I don't think there's anything that's beat it um, so far. There's been some contenders, but uh, the only one that makes me think uh, think as long as it does and is uh, and makes me want to watch it again over and over is Get Out. So. Um, I said that out loud the other day, and and uh, someone was like, "Really, get out?" And I was like, "Yeah, I I, I think it is." Um, and if it does get awards recognition, then you'd have to you'd have to give uh, Daniel Kaluuya a, 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 an Oscar nomination, oh, so probably. Yeah. And he's so good in it, and uh, Catherine Keener yeah. would probably be up on that uh, that list too. Um, and certainly for like stuff like writing and directing and, you know, there's, there's, I mean, it could hit, could get about five or six nominations if it's really being considered. Yeah, no, I agree. The only proper response when you say that, that, you know, that movie is your favorite of the year so far is to do a, a lane imitation and be like, get out like that. That's the only, yeah. proper, that's the only <laughs> that's proper response. Act- it really is. If there was any other response, then you're just not playing the pun game strong <laughs> That's enough. That's right. You're just not trying hard enough at that point. Right. Uh, I think it's it's interesting to me. I will take anthology series, especially you know weird, mysterious ones like The Twilight Zone, anytime you want to send them my way. I feel like we have shows right now that are doing a fairly mm-hmm. good job at that, like Black Mirror, uh, maybe some others. Yes. But I, I will take as many of those as you want to send my way because there's... <laughs> Because the thing about an anthology show that I love is every week you've got another shot. Even if it was horrible the yeah. last week, like the next week you've got another shot to completely knock me over. So um, I love I love anthology for that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's funny that you bring up Black Mirror because Daniel Kaluuya was in one of the episodes. That's right, he was. Yeah, always a connection. Um, that was the treadmill episode, right? Or bike? I can't remember. Yes, it was. It was. Yeah, it's right. one of the best ones. It's one of the best episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I love that show. I need to revisit some of those episodes. Yeah. Oh yeah, so good. Uh, all right, that'll wrap it up for Do We Care, and we will move on. Now we're going to review Thor Ragnarok. So much has happened since I last saw you. I lost my hammer. Like yesterday, so that's still pretty fresh. And then I went on a journey of self-discovery. Where I met you.
Imprisoned on the other side of the universe, the mighty Thor finds himself in a deadly gladiatorial contest that pits him against the Hulk, his former ally and fellow Avenger. Thor's quest for survival leads him in a race against time to prevent the all-powerful Hela from destroying his homeworld in the Asgardian civilization. Uh, let's talk about Thor Ragnarok. Uh, we always like to start with, uh, did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or was it just okay? What do you think, Chris? I am going to lean on the side of loving it. Ooh, loved it. Uh, I'm leaning on that side as well. Although I will say I'm on just like the lower precipice of loved it, right? Where liked it and loved right. it kind of combine. That's correct. I was about to ask you, could I say I really liked it? And it's like in between like and love. That would be, that's probably more proper. No, I like keeping it to the five choices because then it forces you to make a decision. And I love that we both decided to go with loved it. Um, I think there are right. there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, just kind of give me some overall thoughts. You know, some of the things that you loved. Well, uh, the the humor of this is on a different level from most uh, Marvel movies right. we've seen so far. And uh, I will never know how to pronounce the director's name, but uh, the uh, <laughs> I researched but, it for my well, review, so I can tell you if you want. Oh, please do. <laughs> it's Taika Waititi. Um, well, that's easy enough. Um, the, um, the, the movie, what we do in the shadows was, was really well done. And I, I enjoyed that completely. And it looks like he brings that sensibility to this and it's very hard for a director to have any kind of expression in these Marvel movies. Right. And yet his expression comes through so well in this and uh and that's what was so remarkable about it and he plays a character in this too and uh, he's really funny <laughs> um he plays some rock character in this and he's just so funny he's like some of the biggest laughs come from that character oh yeah, yeah. and uh and so um yeah it's 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 um uh, it's just so it's so different from any other marvel movie that i've seen and it's it's more self-contained it, it even though it it has some uh, some connections to the overall Marvel uh, story that they're telling. It really just focuses on, on what I really liked about it. Uh, just to jump off of what you were saying about him being able to, you know, kind of cast his influence on the movie, it was one of those things that people wondered if Marvel would ever be able to do, uh, especially when the Edgar Wright Ant-Man stuff happened. Um, you know, the idea mm -hmm. behind that was that Edgar Wright was trying to make it too much of an Edgar Wright movie. And that Disney needed it right. to be a Marvel movie first and an Edgar Wright movie second. And I wonder if mm -hmm. this movie is showing a bit of transition in that or if there's more to the Edgar Wright story than we know, which is probably true no matter what the case. Yeah. But, um, but I definitely feel like this is a Taika Waititi movie. Like this is, you know, it's Marvel because it's got the Marvel characters, but it really feels like he was given a pretty big sandbox to play around in. It really does. Uh, it, it's it's pretty astounding how how different this feels while still remaining fun a fun comic book marvel movie yeah uh, uh at the same time and uh yeah you might be right there might be more to this edgar wright thing um but i the, the argument i always make on the sendcast is that uh i never have understood why 
when you have a huge when you have a huge brand like Marvel and you're about to come out with a movie that that you know with a not, the title of Ant Man, which nobody nobody knows that character except <laughs> hardcore true. comic book fans. Well, that was kind of true about um, Iron Man, even at the beginning. Like Iron Man wasn't a big. Character I guess that's most true. Yeah, Marvel people. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, but with Ant Man, uh, nobody knew that character. Same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy. And I feel like you have free reign to do whatever you want. You don't have to fit it into this big, huge Marvel puzzle in order to be a hit. Um, if you had allowed Ant-Man to just be a different kind of movie, I feel like uh, you know an Edgar Wright movie, then you would have made the same amount, if not more money, I believe. Yeah. Um, so I don't understand where their bottom line is telling them we can't make this more. We can't let Edgar Wright do what he wants. Um, but, you know, that's that's the way of Hollywood, right? They're afraid to take risks. Yeah. And, and you know, again, there's I'm sure there's lots of stuff we don't know. Um, there are situations where it feels like you kind of pick up on stuff. Uh, we're moving to the Star Wars universe when I mentioned this. But. Uh, you know, with the Lord and Miller stuff that happened with the Han Solo movie, you almost feel yep. like they made the right decision in pulling them away. You know what I mean? So there, there, yeah. there are pieces that go both ways. What I find interesting, what I think is is really uh, viable for this conversation, is the fact that obviously they're evolving in one way or another because this movie, uh, I think, shows evolution in in the right direction. Whereas you do let the director make their kind of movie. And find a way to have it live in your, you know, expanded universe. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, like I said, I don't know if it's just some sort of thing where it just happened that way. I mean, we could we could watch the next, uh, you know, the next big uh, comic book hero movie and they'll be back to their old ways of trying to conform, conform it to every other Marvel movie. But um but uh, in this case, they just decided to go for it, and uh, they are rewarded with a movie that I think is going to going to play throughout the uh, the winter. Um, so let's talk even more specifically about the humor. We've both mentioned it. It's the one thing almost everybody mentions when they come out of this movie. I once I started looking at reviews, I mean, it was first paragraph for almost every review. Is this is a hilarious movie? Um, I've mm-hmm. seen some people who haven't seen it worried that that. It's they don't want like a straight comedy kind of thing. And so maybe the the comedy expectations are weighing on them a little bit. But um, talk. Mm-hmm. A, let's talk a little specifically about what makes it so funny. Why? You know, how is the humor different than, say, like Guardians of Gal- the Galaxy? Somebody in the live chat asked that, you know, uh, Guardians is a funny movie, but this is funnier. Why? Huh. Interesting. Um, well, I think that this movie goes a little bit more on surprise. I think Guardians of the Galaxy, everything is just kind of in this, you're in, you're already in this kind of loopy zone Mm -hmm. with Guardians of the Galaxy. And, um, and then with, with Thor, you have, not only do you have two movies prior that were, you know, I, I guess I would hesitate to call those movies serious, but they are definitely not, uh, comedies they're they're more de- you know developing a superhero character and everything like that now when you get a third movie in uh here uh and they and it's it's a lot of comedy and everything there's so many surprise elements to this um and and I don't want to get into the spoilers of it but um, but, uh, the way they set up the laughs in here are are things that I just didn't expect 
to you know i didn't expect it whereas in guardians of the galaxy you just kind of you just kind of you're already in that zone so like anything that comes up it's not a surprise to you right. at all um so i feel like in thor ragnarok it's uh it's a much bigger like you know any if anything funny happens it just comes more out of nowhere even though you know you're in a comedy and everything surprise is such a powerful weapon in almost every form like surprise is what drives comedy surprise is what drives fear surprise can even be what drives emotion like it's 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 really your most powerful tool in your toolbox when you're doing storytelling is the idea of surprise it's you know why uh you know when you do it well like when m night did his first couple movies uh that it works so well um and then when you do it poorly uh it can be it can backfire on you because the audience is so far ahead of you that they're bored um so Mm -hmm. you know it's just it's one of the hardest things to get right and yet one of the most powerful things and i think you're right i think the humor in in this really does surprise you uh and so that that makes it even more it kind of amplifies it even more um one of the things that that i think is hilarious in this movie and i can just watch all day is the main is probably the main reason i'm excited to see this movie again as quick as possible is jeff goldblum's performance in this movie i love that character (laughs) so much it's so funny. Oh yeah, he is. This is this is perfect, Jeff Goldblum. This is you know, uh, I was uh, I was talking to Barrett after we watched this movie, and he was like, you know, it, it looks like that uh, Jeff Goldblum is kind of like Christopher Walken. He's just content to be Jeff Goldblum and everything that he's in. Yeah, and they they gave him a perfect role to be Jeff Goldblum in in this. And yeah, you're right. He's absolutely fantastic. Um, do you want to talk about any of the other performances? Uh, you know, Hemsworth yes. is, is doing his typical Hemsworth thing. Who do you want to talk about? I want to talk about Tessa Thompson. Okay, good. I think that I believe Tessa Thompson is a tremendous talent, and she's in a lot of things. It's obvious that casting directors love her. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the first time I've seen her in a long time allowed to just kind of play around. And she is terrific in this. Uh, it, it, as much of a reason to watch this movie as Thor himself. Yeah, I think she's great in this. Uh, I loved her in... Uh, did you see Dear White People, the Netflix show? I did. So Yeah, good. she's great in that. Oh, and that show yeah. is, is so good. Yeah, she's doing great work. Um, she's also in Westworld. She was in Creed. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right. She's getting a lot of work and deservedly so. And, uh, and yeah, she's really good in this and she's able to show her comedy chops in a way that I don't know. I've you know seen from her. There are some moments, uh, involving alcohol in this movie that I thought were hilarious with her character. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yes. so yeah, not to give anything away before we get to spoilers, but yeah, she's, she's really good in this. Yeah, uh, uh, that's the, that was the standout for me. Obviously, um, you know, Kate Blanchett is always good. Um, I feel like we've seen this performance out of a whole bunch of people before, though. Right. No, I think it's a fair um, point. So, so it's not really it's not knocking her. I, I do believe her character is probably the the least uh, sort of thought out out of all this good group. Although I guess she has a pretty good backstory. And everything, but uh, as far as what her wants and needs are in this movie, it's not quite clear what she wants to do exactly, other than just your your average everyday "I want to rule the world" type of scenario. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, she's she's phenomenal. She's one of the best actresses working. I mean, she does great work. But you're right. We we've seen this uh, before. Um, we've seen even her kind of do versions of this kind of evil character before. Um, so, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it does have a kind of a been there, done that feel, although it's great. I mean, it's, you know, it's certainly not anything worth detracting the you know, the movie from, uh, or over. Uh, no. The other thing I wanted to mention in the positives category, um, before we move on to maybe talking some negatives, um, and of course, if you've got any other positives you want to throw out there, but you mentioned that the, it's different for Marvel to give a director the ability to stamp themselves on a movie like they did with Taika in this movie. Mm. Um, the mm-hmm. other thing that often gets brought up, I've heard you guys talk about it, we've talked about it on this podcast as well, uh, is that Marvel has this thing for big punching battles at the end between, you know, infinite powers. Uh, yep. And I felt like this movie went away from that. I felt like it was an interesting way, at least story-wise, to still have some of that, uh, you know, big bombastic action towards the end of this movie. And again, mm-hmm. we won't go into this details until we get to spoilers. But to also have the feel of the uh, the motivations of the characters and what they're trying to do be completely different, uh, and mm-hmm. so I actually thought that that the ending of this movie worked really well uh, too. Did you notice that? Yeah, I, yeah, it did. In fact, uh, it's funny because there there is some there is obviously some punching going on uh, in the Thor and Hulk thing. Well, sure, of course, yes. Um, and, and you know that's that's you know I guess that is to be expected. Um, uh, but you're right. In the end of this, it's it is it does not resort to that, uh, which is a, fr- a breath of fresh air for me for sure, uh, because there is nothing there's nothing less uh, less interesting than two equally matched foes punching each other because there's really no. There's no way to tell who can actually win or, you right. know, there's no, you don't know what, it's what I would get to as far as this movie is concerned. It's still, you still don't really know who's got more power and what the power is and what degree of power. Um, so a lot of these things you're like, oh, I guess that character won because, uh, okay, I don't, I don't really know why, but <laughs> all right. If you say he won, that's fine. Right. Um, so, uh, so there is that type of stuff, but you're right. The ending of this is way different from than a lot of Marvel movies. Um, I think it's a good, probably, place to kind of transition into into some of the negatives that we had with it. Unless you've got something else in the positive side that you wanted to mention before we do. Uh, no, I, I think uh, I think uh, that uh, we can get into the negatives, and I don't think there's going to be too many. No, I, I really don't. Um, but you mentioned, you know, the not understanding the powers and who beats who and that kind of stuff. This is the main issue I have with the Incredible Hulk, is I do not mm-hmm. understand that character's abilities. I don't understand. Right. There's there's two avenues to it, actually, and, and I talk about this in my review. Uh, one of the avenues is his strength. I don't understand exactly what mm-hmm. does like hurt him in any way mm-hmm. or, you know, right. is because he's not impenetrable. He's not, you know, invincible. No. But it obviously feels like he kind of is many times. He uh, never feels like he's in danger. Never no, feels like no. there's any chance for him to die. Right, exactly. So that's the one avenue where I always get confused with the Hulk. The other avenue is the who's in control of Hulk, the Banner Hulk kind of thing. Now, this is a, right. a little different in that I know Banner is trying to figure that out as well. So it's not like he has mm-hmm. that knowledge. But at the same time, as yeah. an audience member, I need a little bit of understanding of or glimpses into clues to 
Uh, this is what it means when you know Banner is trying to take control when he's Hulk. This is what it means when you know he gets angry. Uh, there's the famous line uh, you know that you guys have mentioned many times. You know, my secret is that I'm always angry. Uh, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it's that kind of thing that frustrates me because I'm like, that's not an answer. That that doesn't help me understand right. what the battle is between these two people. And because of those things, any movie that puts more emphasis on the Hulk becomes a little more confusing and muddled to me. And so him being a big part yeah. of this movie, there were moments where I was like, I don't understand the impact of that. And not just the fight scene, but some of the banner stuff as well, because I don't understand this character's abilities enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it to- it totally makes sense. And we talked about comic books on the Sincast, uh, comic book movies on the Sincast uh, this past week. And um, and the, the thing that that keeps coming up is we just, we just don't know. We don't, we, that they, they've never been defined. Uh, it really seems like, uh, the movies introduce these characters. If you, if you've been reading the comic books, okay, you know, all his entire skill set if you've read the comic books, but it doesn't really tell you, uh, what it, what it, what it is in the movies. You're just, you just know that this person's super strong. And that's about it. And they have some other little, you know, little quirks or whatever. Like right. Thor, he's super strong, uh, but uh, he's got this hammer, and he's got this, uh, you know, he's got the he can um, he can call up this power from Asgard or wherever he's calling it from. Um, but you know, when it's a when it's a Thor versus Hulk type of fight, you're you you sit there and wonder who's really got the upper hand in this. Right? Can this go anywhere? Yeah, and uh, and also there's some similar things with Hela as well. Like you know, there's just a lack of understanding of exactly you know what she's up to. Why there's a moment that I won't give away here right. uh, that happens pretty early on. Um, I for all I know, it may be in the trailers because I haven't actually gone back and watched the Thor trailer yet. Um, but there's a moment where she does something that you would think would be a shock, and then. It's never really explained why she can do that, and or well, even yeah, even kind of clued into that. There's some sort of thing that uh, Odin, the Anthony Hopkins character, uh, is is explaining about her power, but it doesn't really. He, he tells them this just before she shows up, and it's and it's just hard to kind of put pinpoint exactly yeah. what how much it is, and. Um, and yeah, and so she she does some some incredible things to the point that I I go, how could you possibly beat her? She's got <laughs> all the power in the world. Uh, it doesn't make any sense that anything would beat her at all. So you know you're going to have to manufacture a reason uh, to do it, and uh, you know it'll be up to us whether we find it satisfactory or not. I guess we just <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, that that whole power thing has been a problem, I think, for Hollywood for a really long time. Trying to figure out how to explain to people how much power somebody has, how much how smart they are, all these different things are impossible to do in a movie. Apparently, um, I don't want to get way too off track, but it reminds me of the movie The Covenant, where all these uh, all these guys are like you know uh, about to turn eighteen and they're about to get more power as as like uh, warlocks or something mm-hmm, like that. Right. Yeah. And it's and 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 they already can do so many things uh, that you you sit there and go, if you can do that, what what other what more power can you possibly get? <laughs> right. Um, There's nowhere else so, to go. Yeah. So uh, so I feel like the same way when they introduce these characters. 
uh, and they just keep on piling on these things that somehow make them stronger or whatever. It's, yeah. it's hard to it's hard to follow. Yeah, and it just you know it involves a little bit of suspension of you know uh, I almost said disbelief, but it's almost a suspension of caring, right? Like it's it's a suspension right. of your need to know those things. And for the most part, especially when I'm having as much fun as I'm having during this movie, I think I can do that. You know, I can su- suspend my need to have everything explained to me or to understand uh, things. And, you know, in some of these cases, I don't need to understand everything. I just want to understand enough to be involved in the story in a deeper way. Um, yeah. So, tell me, tell me, I mean, you know, it, 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 I don't think it would be too hard to say, this is the kind of strength this person has. And, you know, right. and, and then they say, here's the weaknesses that they need that if I, if I'm a, if I'm a good guy, how am I going to exploit this weakness? Um, or if I'm a bad guy, how am I going to exploit this weakness? And a lot of times it just comes down to, you know, like, like we said, not in this movie, but it's how much you can, uh, pound that person into submission and, and, uh, you know, and then walk away from it. Right. Um, so that was really my yeah. only, uh, negative that at least that I thought was a big enough negative for me to bring to the front. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about in the negatives? Uh, no, I think, every, I think that's pretty much it i mean other than the fact that i think kate blanchett is just uh is just a, a an okay villain sure nothing that nothing that her nothing that she did it's just that the way it's written she also looks like uh you know maleficent basically just maleficent <laughs> it's, it's again true. yeah um and uh and that uh, and that uh, that whole power thing and that's that, those are really small things in comparison to the entertainment that you get yeah yeah there's a lot of entertainment there um i will ask did you like what format did you see it in uh 2d 3d imax regular uh Uh, this was a regular this was a regular 2d uh version um they uh and and, you know having worked in movie theaters and how they schedule things and everything uh, i know exactly what they're doing with some things so i wanted to see this in imax um uh but uh, they scheduled the 3D IMAX at the prime time, and they scheduled the 10 o'clock one, the later one, uh, after that. So they're trying to get all those people who really want to see it in and right. get those 3D extra dollars. Yeah. Um, uh, and play. So I didn't get to see it in IMAX, but I did see it on a fairly large screen. Uh, yeah, same with me. Uh, I really want to see this, especially in IMAX laser. I may tr- take the trip down to Branson to see this. Um, and just because it is visually, that is one thing we didn't talk about. I mean, we mentioned uh, Taika's style, but the visual style to this movie is so unique and so interesting. And I would say even the sound. Uh, actually, we talked a little bit about Stranger Things in the pre-show. The soundtrack to this reminded me a lot of the Stranger Things soundtrack with those kind of almost... right. Almost does, rhythmic, it, you know, kind of uh, old school electronica sounds. Yeah, it has uh, an 80s vibe to it, which is, uh, you know, you haven't seen the trailer. The trailer is very 80s vibe, uh, like you're about to watch Flash Gordon or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was getting you know? a lot of Flash Gordon from the visuals in it. Like, it felt like that kind of almost even late 70s kind of, you know, vibe where it's right. it's even a little more um, and, um, audacious. Uh, Mark Mothersbaugh did the, uh, the the music for this, and he was a longtime Wes Anderson guy, um, and uh, he pulls off this uh, electronica really good, um, really well. Um, I can't remember what band he used to be. It might have been Devo. Um, let me see. I can't remember. 
Um, yeah, it was Devo. So he he definitely has that that sort of that 80s sensibility. He can make those 80s yeah. soundtracks. <laughs> you no, know, that makes a lot um, of sense. And it was uh, it was definitely something that uh, I noticed. Uh, I don't notice um, I don't notice the the scores of movies unless they are particularly like interesting or good. And this one was one where I noticed it. Or they're bad, obviously. But <laughs> right. Um, but uh, but this one was so good, and it put me in a different mood. You're talking about the visuals, also. And, you know, you're talking about you know the you know, this sort of this 80s or set late 70s aesthetic or whatever. There's a whole scene in here that reminded me of the Transformers, the movie from 1986. Sure. Um, that uh, it, when they they land on this one particular place, I was like, that, this reminds me so much of that. It has to be inspired by that. So, yeah, um, no, that's a good so call. So there's a lot of little, little uh, I think, uh, callbacks to stuff from the 80s in this thing. Uh, overall, I think we'd say it's a definite recommend. Probably, I'd put it in the upper tier of Marvel movies. Would you say the same? I would definitely put this in the upper tier of Marvel movies. So there you go. So go check it out. It's Thor Ragnarok. We both were on the low side of loved it, but we indeed did love it. So um, so yeah, we think it's one that you might love as well. Um, all right, let's do our uh, best ever challenge, Chris. Uh, since Thor all is right. a god, let's do best ever god movies. Now, this could be God in the sense of the, you know, Judeo-Christian idea of God, or it could be God as in the, you know, Roman-Greek mythological idea of gods, uh, just an otherworldly being who controls things. Uh, What are some of the Mm -hmm. best movies ever that featured God or gods as a central character or part of the movie? We'll go number three to number one, uh, and if you've got one higher... Uh, that I mention, and you want to trump it so that we can talk about it when it's time uh, at the higher port- part of your list, then feel free to do that. Uh, and then we'll throw out some honorable mentions at the end. But let's start with number three, Chris. What's your number three best ever movie featuring God? I'm going to put 300 on this uh, list. I had, that in my, I had that in my honorable mentions. It's definitely worth talking about. Um. And it's interesting because if you watch our videos or listen to our Sincast, uh, we we sort of slam Zack Snyder a bunch. Um, uh, however, I feel like Zack Snyder has made at least two movies that I hold in high regard, and that is the uh, the remake of uh, Dawn of the Dead and this movie, Three Hundred. Uh, I I wish he could have just self-contained his style in 300 and then left it uh, when he went to other movies. Right. Um, uh, this uh, whole slow motion thing. I I, I think a lot of times uh, it's it's easy to look at why a movie is a success and just try to copy all of those different things and and just do that in your next movies and everything. And definitely for him, he got the idea that slow motion was just such an amazing thing that he was going to put it in every movie he did. But I really enjoyed 300. Um, and uh, and it's uh, it's just a, it was a unique way to tell, um, and, uh, you know, a comic book t- style tale that's based loosely on reality. Um, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, so I was. Uh, Three hundred is good. I it really does play to his style, like that story and the mm-hmm. idea of what's going on there. It, it is a great yeah. match for him and his style. Um, the other Zack Snyder uh, movie I mentioned to uh, people's surprise is uh, the Owls of Gahul. 
movie is actually a decent film in my opinion. Um, I really like the way he played uh, in that universe. Could you say that again? I, I got cut off real quick. Oh, I just said that the other Zack Snyder movie that I enjoy is uh, The Owls of Gahul. That uh, I forget what the there's a. Oh, see, no, I haven't seen that. I remember um, I remember seeing trailers for it, but I have not I have not seen that movie. I actually really enjoyed it. It was another movie I felt like, especially that animated style, worked really well with kind of his sensibilities, his visual sensibilities. Um, I just think the problem mm-hmm. is uh, the problem has become his reliance on those visual cues to be the driving mm-hmm. force of his film, uh, and so there yeah. seems to be a secondary, uh, you know, um, story seems to become secondary to that, uh, and that yeah. I think that's where the problems kind of start for Snyder, in my opinion. Right. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and do my number three. Uh, my number three movie okay. is uh, Bruce Almighty. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Um, I, of course, I'm a huge Jim Carrey fan. Uh, I I love most of his work. This is one that that shocked me um, because of how philosophical and spiritual it gets. Uh, there's some really mm-hmm. interesting scenes here. Some really well written stuff about you know questioning what it means to be omniscient, what it means to you know, be responsible for knowing everything. And that prayer scene is one of the most interesting scenes uh, on that idea that that I've ever seen. Um, So uh, I enjoy this movie a lot. I think it's hilarious. I think that um, the montage when he first gets his God powers is one of the funniest things he's done. Uh, It's just, it's, it's really good stuff all the way through. So I wanted to put it at number three. No, I, I agree with that choice. It's a real, it's a, that's a good movie. I haven't seen it in forever actually. Um, but uh, I, I know what you're talking about. Um, uh, the, the, I, you know, when he's getting all these prayer requests and he's like, man, this is too much for me. Then he right. tries kinds of forms, but they, they're always too much yeah. for him to answer them all and everything. It's a, it's really interesting, uh, concept. Well, in the idea, I think there's one moment where answering one of the prayer requests in the way that the person wanted it answered, changed another person's ability to have the thing that they want. Yeah. You know, it's just the, this idea that, right. you know, when the world doesn't revolve around one person, it becomes much more difficult to understand, you know, like to think of the idea of, Oh, I can create the best world for everybody becomes a very complicated and difficult thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's and and yeah, I think I think it's a good choice mainly because even though it it seems like just a high concept comedy like you said, it does have these uh, you know, philosophical questions that it that it attempts to answer and it does it in a pretty good way. And it's the movie that, you know, launched the idea that Morgan Freeman actually is God. So uh so you know. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. You can't go wrong with that. Uh all right, what's your number 2? I'm going to go with Groundhog Day for yeah, my second. Yeah, good, ch- good choice. I actually didn't – I was going to include that, um, and then I decided that the God aspect of that or the God's aspect of that was a little light, but I think it's a worthy choice. So go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, um, I, I was wondering if it might be cheating, but uh, – you know, there is there is a obvious force here that is right. never explained. Exactly. We don't know if it's God. We don't know if it's any. Um, and and a, even if Bill Murray is not playing a God, he is at least playing one, essentially one for this time that he's stuck in this loop. And um, well, and he has that beautiful and, speech uh, about being God, or you know, or one of the gods, or yes, you know, like, there's this beautiful moment where he talks about that. So yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, so yeah, there is some sort of force out there, and it may not be God, it, but uh, at the same time, I feel like you can you can consider there there to be some sort of celestial force, uh, you know, involved here. And um, and you know, Groundhog Day, I think by the year it gets it gets even more uh, seen as a classic and everything. Um, it just, uh, it's, it's a movie that it's never, it never feels dated at all. It's, you know, it came out in 1993. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, and it just, it, you can, you can show this to anybody of any age and they can relate to it. And it's, uh, it's really good. Yeah. Great choice. Uh, I love that choice. My number two is it's a wonderful life. Ah, nice. Um, yeah, I mean, for a, a classic movie like this, it's obviously considered a Christmas movie, but very directly, I mean, the opening scene is in heaven with God talking to Michael or Michael talking to the angels, and then we get Clarence involved, yep. and he comes down, and uh, and basically the movie is about uh, you know the idea that he's going to see what life would be like if he had never been born, and this is God's gift to him to understand his value and his importance, and uh, man, I, we watch it every single year and I never dread watching it. Like we watch it every Christmas and I, and I never get tired of it. The movie, uh, has the insane ability to somehow be like the first time you've ever watched it. Every yeah. time you see it. Um, it is my number one, by the way. Oh, okay. Good. This good. Is number one. Um, the, uh, it, yeah, it's a wonderful life. Uh, is one of those. Yeah. You can watch it annually. And uh, it just it, there's something about it, man. Uh, watching George Bailey run down the street and yelling all these things, you know, and like he's happy to be he's happy to be back in his old world, and, and he's happy to be alive, and he doesn't care about his problems anymore. So good um, is one of those moments that it still gives me chills every time I watch it, and uh, it's uh, just uh, such an outstanding movie. Totally agree. Uh, well, that's your number one, so I'll go ahead and do my number one because uh, we've got your all three of yours you've mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so my number one, uh, and maybe it's a little bit of a cheat because it's kind of based on a story with gods, and they're not necessarily gods in the movie that itself, but I'm going with Oh Brother, Where Art Thou for my, uh, for my ah, number one. No, I, I don't think you're cheating there. I mean, it, uh, it's definitely a, um, it's a take on, uh, what is it? Is it the Iliad yeah, or? The Odyssey, I think. Uh, or the Odyssey. The Odyssey is what it is, yeah. Um, uh, and uh, all the characters that are played in there are, are substitutes for what you see in the Odyssey. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just, I you know, beyond that connection, it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, it might be my favorite Coen brother movie, although Hudsucker Proxy might might give it a run in that that regard. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I love when the Coens go silly. And Oh Brother has this weird thing that they're able to do where it's completely silly, and yet I'm still buying into it somehow. And it's yeah, it's it's quite a magic trick, and one of the reasons that I'm I'm such a huge fan of them and what they do. Yeah. Yeah, this is a this is a good choice and it's and it's and it's it's weird. You we whenever you go through all the best Coen Brothers movies, this one might not come up immediately cuz you might forget that they did it or whatever. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Some something that sort of happens to me every time I'm thinking of Coen Brothers movies cuz it is so different from most of the things that they do. It's not really a crime comedy, which is what they're mainly known for. Mhm. Um 
so uh so yeah this is uh and it's it's so well thought out to to be like this this allegory of the odyssey essentially (laughs) you know it's uh um uh it's got a i got a lot of a different meaning to it even though it is absurd in a lot of a lot of moments especially when goodman uh like uh was he does he hit he hits Tim Blake Nelson with a board or something. I can't remember what he does. <laughs> George Clooney is just like sitting there, just taking it in. Like it's no big deal that this is happening and everything. Yeah. Is what do you mean by that? You know, he's just, he's just still, he's still playing his character horrified by what he just saw in front of him. Um, I, I also think it is one of the, my favorite soundtracks to pop in still like, uh, and when I, when I oh, say yeah. pop in, I mean like, you know, pop on my digital player because i don't actually put anything in anything anymore um but yes right. it, is, it is one of my favorite soundtracks and uh every time in the movie when they get to the man of constant sorrow scene i just like crank it up and i'm just like this isn't even like my favorite kind of music but i just love what they're doing with this song and the feel of it and it's just i get a lot of happy yeah. feels from that movie the the cohen's uh hooked up with uh, t-bone burnett who's a big nashville producer uh, he he did it. He he helped them with Big Lebowski's soundtrack, and then I guess for the next the next movie that they did, uh, he actually rounded up people to do you know do the either do I don't know if they're covers of old songs or if they are uh, uh, completely original or like a mix and match of both. But um, you know he, they obviously had this relationship with him to go and and him find all these artists to come out with some really beautiful music. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorites. Um, anything in the honorable mention uh, that you wanted to bring up that we haven't talked about? I've got uh, maybe like three that I can mention if you don't have any. Uh, yeah, I have a couple. Um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yep, I had uh, that in mind as that well. I thought, yeah, which is one that I thought of to put in my top three, but. Because God is uh, really a cameo in this, uh, I really didn't think there was much uh, as far as like a lot of influence, really, even though he is mentioned uh, several times and they are going after a holy artifact. Um, uh, you know, this is one of my all-time favorites, um, but I wouldn't put it above those three that I have in there as far as, like, if you were to just to narrow it down as movies with gods in them. Um, I thought so, about uh, I thought about Holy Grail. I also thought about Life of Brian as another, you know, option from yeah, the Python. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, Python wasn't, a, wasn't afraid to put God in their movies. That's for sure. I think that was, uh, no, he was always weren't. a character in their TV show too, you know? It's so it's, um, yeah, it's definitely something they did. Um, the other, the other ones I have are, uh, uh based, uh, are two movies from the same series, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah. You got to cl- include the um, indie movies. Yeah, um, it's funny because uh, after Raiders of the Lost Ark, I believe Cracked has been the one that writes about this. It's like uh, Indiana Jones is in a unique position to where he knows God exists, but it doesn't change anything about his, you know, sort of his philosophy or <laughs> like, it's uh, all right, well, God exists. I'm not going to tell anybody about it, though. Maybe he, maybe he would have just been considered a, qu- a quack. And that's the reason why he keeps it to himself. But he has unique knowledge that it uh, uh, he actually exists in these movies. That is an interesting way to think about it. Um, especially you think of the Last Crusade stuff, you know, speaking of going for the Holy Grail. 
Uh, you know, just the mm-hmm. idea that that guy's been there forever and is guarding the actual cup of Christ. And I don't know. It's just, yeah. it's really interesting to think about it that way. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's been there for hundreds, I guess it's hundreds of years, maybe thousands. I don't know. Uh, just, he, I, and then like, then you have this, yeah, you have this cup that can, uh, give you, uh, eternal life. And if you pick the wrong one, it, it turns you into this a horrible, horrifying skeleton of a, of a person, uh, you know, yeah, he's got, uh, he's got absolute proof of it right there in front of his eyes. It feels like a movie without getting overly political that certain political leaders could watch and learn something from, uh, as far as that last decision yeah. is, <laughs> is concerned. I would say so. I feel like he I would may, say so. I feel like he might choose poorly. I don't know. It's just, a, just a thought yeah. I might have. Um, I, I would, I could almost guarantee it. <laughs> All right. Uh, the only other ones I had to mention were uh, Wonder Woman. I think it's, in, you know, even though it's recent, yeah. uh, certainly worth mentioning. Yeah. Uh, good film. And another one that I like uh, is the animated film The Prince of Egypt that Dream, DreamWorks did. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't seen that since it came out. But I think it's uh, yeah. really well done and it really tells the Moses story in a, you know, uh, a very seemingly to me historical way. Uh, I love the performances in it. Speaking of Jeff Goldblum who is uh, in The Prince yeah. of Egypt as well, which I always found interesting that he was playing Aaron and mm-hmm. uh, because Moses was the one that was supposed to be the like the stutterer and the one who had trouble speaking, and yet Goldblum is the one who kind of has that affect to his <laughs> delivery. Yeah. So I was like, that's kind of a weird right. choice. It'd almost be better for Goldblum to be Moses, but I think they, you know, that was Val, Val Kilmer, I think, is who they went with with the voice of Moses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, uh, but I do enjoy that movie and some great music in that movie, uh, too. Um, that oh, de- yeah. Deliver Us song is really powerful. And, and there's some moments where, uh, like, the killing of the firstborn scene uh, is, like, it, I wasn't ready for how, how, um, I'm going to say authentic. Like it just, it felt very Mm -hmm. real to me uh, that they were really actually dealing with what it meant for an entire culture uh, in this story to have every single family lose their firstborn son. Uh, And uh, it just, it went to a dark place that I didn't realize it was going to to go. And uh, I don't know. I thought, I think it's a powerful movie and, and one I would uh, recommend people watch if they haven't seen. Yeah, Definitely. Uh, I think that's it for our best ever movies featuring God or gods. Uh, if you've got any that uh, that you would like to let us know about that we forgot, uh, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Aaron Dicer, or you can email feedback at sifpop.com with any of that feedback. Before we head on to our Sif Quest and our Buried Treasure, I do want to remind you that this podcast, like any other on this network, the Studio DNA Podcast Network, is supported by you. So starting at three bucks a month, uh, at patreon.com slash studio DNA. You can know that you're keeping this podcast and others just like it on the air. Uh, there's some pretty fun perks that go along with it, including the ability to have your own podcast feed as soon as you're a patron of the podcast network that has every podcast from this podcast and the others on the network, as well as all the bonus podcasts, uh, which this week include a conversation from Chris and myself on the Bad Moms franchise, including a review of Bad Mom uh, Christmas from me. And uh, then some talk on Stranger Things 2 happened there as well. So if you want to check that out, it starts at 3 bucks a month. And uh, beyond getting the extra content, you can know that you're helping support this podcast and others. And, of course, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for doing that. It means a lot to us. 
All right, let's do our Sift Quest. Uh, we've got a Sift Quest mm-hmm. that comes from uh, Destry, who emailed this in. Here's the question. What movie or TV show has helped you see into culture in ways you had never experienced before, such as race, gender, social status, etc.? For me, the biggest impact recently has come from Jordan Peele's Get Out, which we mentioned earlier. Uh, having never known how racism persists in such subtle ways as shown throughout the beginning of the film, it was a whole new insight into something I might have never known to exist that a lot of people struggle with every day. Uh, I thought this was a really interesting question. So, Chris, what are some you yeah. thought of that kind of impacted your perspective on the world or on social issues? Along of the same line uh, as Get Out, um, I, there were three TV shows that I've watched in the past year that um, give me sort of a different look into black culture because a lot of times black culture movies that come out are either – uh, the Tyler Perry, which is like, um, you know, uh, over-the-top comedy or especially an over-the-top melodrama. Or um, it is, it's it's like some sort of gangster picture or, you know, it's, it's, it's always the same type of things mm-hmm. uh, over and over again. Yeah. So that's why Get Out was such a, was such a uh, surprise and everything like that. But three TV shows, um, Atlanta, which is on FX and yep. that's Donald Glover. Uh, Insecure, which is Issa Rae on HBO, and uh, Luke Cage, which is another Marvel property that came on Netflix. Um, Every of those uh, is a different perspective uh, in black culture that I I don't think about quite a bit. Uh, you know, it it was a complete surprise, and they're so entertaining and so good, especially especially Atlanta. Um, there's something Donald Glover's doing that is just, uh, it's a, it's ahead of the curve mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and that, that's at, they can't come out with season two of Atlanta fast enough for me. Yeah. That first season was so good. It is. It's so good. The, the Freedom Day episode is one of my favorites, especially in regards to what we're talking yes. about with race understanding and, and those kind of things. And I, I'm exactly with you. The only one I would add is one we actually mentioned earlier, which is Dear White People. Uh, is one of my answers. Oh yeah, I still haven't seen the show. I saw the movie. Uh, I guess it was like three years ago. Um, I haven't seen the Netflix show though. I think Dear White People should be recommended viewing for white people. <laughs> I think like it is. Wow. It is well. I and obviously I think it it has a a, a great black audience uh, who is probably watching and enjoying it. But it is one of those mm-hmm. shows that I. What I said in my review was basically I don't need uh, – there's nothing about me that wants to review this in the typically way, the way that I review pop culture. What I want to say is watch and just listen. Calm that part right. of you that feels like you want to, quote, unquote, respond. You know, calm that part of you right. that feels like, oh, you're not painting it fairly or whatever. And just listen. Just listen to this perspective, this worldview, this culture that is just crying out to be uh, heard and understood and not judged based on a color of skin. And it is it is the primary pop culture piece uh, that I would point to if somebody is able to open their mind and just listen to what this other culture is saying uh, about the things that you don't find anything wrong with that are hurting them, that are, uh, you know... Um, yeah, I just I just think it's a beautiful explora- uh, exploration of that. So I, I would. I'll uh, I'll need to take a look at this uh, this series because I did enjoy the movie quite a bit. Um, 
the um, I remember when this was announced. I I I went on Twitter, and you know, I mean, you already know where this is going. Yeah. Um. It, it, there was I can't I cannot tell you how quick people were to judge the show called Dear White People. Mm-hmm. I don't think they had heard of the movie. Um, they just saw that there was a t- a show called this and there was, you know, a bunch of people just going on Twitter going, you know, cancel your Netflix now. There's shows like this coming on, blah, blah, blah. Like, why is this such a big deal to people? Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I don't understand. I mean, you you haven't even seen one episode or even know what it's about but because the title seems to be so you know uh, antagonistic to you you want to you want to get everybody to cancel their <laughs> netflix uh that's uh that's a nice try i guess nice try it reminds me of the uh response of um you know christians when scorsese made last temptation of christ in that yeah. there was this just immediate judgment on not seeing anything on the title of the movie on what they you know had heard was going to be in it and you actually watch that movie and it's actually kind of one of the most pro-christian movies i've seen because yep. you know it's its whole thing is about you know that if jesus didn't experience temptation or the idea of what a normal life would have been like for him then he wasn't fully human and you know that that's straight out of the bible so it's just one of those interesting things where you get your judgment gets ahead of the curve, and I think we're, yeah. it's, it's a natural process for human beings to want to judge things even without all the facts or you know having uh, you know truly looked into it. But I would recommend you if you had an uh, immediate judgment on dear white people, kind of throw that to the side, watch it, and just listen. Just listen to what's being told to you, and uh, you know give it that validity because I think it's important. Yeah. Uh, any others you wanted to mention beside those? Uh, TV uh, no, shows? but. Those are the only. Those are the ones that in the past year that I watched that just sort of opened my eyes a little bit more to a lot of things. And it's just a different. It's it's not just. It's not just like oppression and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's not. That's not what they're talking about in all these. It's more about just perspectives. And, you know, and just stuff the way that that are the things are perceived and the way uh, and it's just um, I don't know. I I wasn't expecting these kind of perspectives. And and there's just a tremendous amount of diverse characters in all of these shows uh, that have it's not it's not everybody having the same experience. It's these are all individuals. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's just, they're just fun, fascinating shows to watch. Uh, the other, uh, ones I would mention, I've got a couple movies here that, uh, change kind of my perspective on things. Uh, one I would mention that changed my perspective on, um, I would call, I would say divisive culture where it's, you know, us versus them kind of mentality was, mm-hmm. uh, the iron giant. I watched that early on in my life ah, and it has this yeah. beautiful message about, how dangerous it is to qualify a group of people or, you know, whatever, in this case, a, you know, a giant robot as, you know, dangerous or those kind of things. And, um, you know, and, it, and it's played against, you know, the uh, the Cold War culture and, and that kind of thing, which I had grown up in. And uh, I think it really impacted my uh, desire to have empathy no matter the situation, you know, to really think about not somebody else or the culture they come from not as being other but as being um, 
different, which is, you know, mm-hmm. different is great. But when you start to, to transition that into other, then it means, well, right. okay, now I can't identify with you. You're something different than me. Uh, now it's us versus them. And so that movie was kind of big in my life uh, in kind of informing my thoughts on that. Uh, the movie Her changed my perspective on technology yeah. and our relationship with technology. Uh, so I thought that was one uh, worth mentioning. And then the movie Fight Club changed my perspective on commercialism and mass marketing and, and those yeah. kind of things in uh, capitalism. Uh, you know, kind of the dangers, uh, the dangerous side of that. So those are a few others that kind of have big life perspective shifts for me when I watch them. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's do our buried treasure. Let's finish up with that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about. Uh, Chris, I'll let you start. What do you got? Okay, so I don't, I don't know how many people have uh, been able to watch Dark City over the years, but I'm going to recommend that they go and watch Dark City. Um, this movie came out in 1998, a full year before the matrix. And it, uh, it touches on a lot of the same themes as the matrix, not nearly as action packed as that movie. And that's the reason why it didn't do anything at the box office. It just looked like a weird movie. Um, but the trailer for it is one of the best trailers I've ever seen. Um, I used to, as a movie theater projectionist, um, I would start up a movie that had Dark City's trailer on it and just I would always have to watch it. Um, When I first watched the movie, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but uh, later years uh, gave it it some more chances. And now it's just uh, it's it's required viewing. It's um, uh, it's just an outstanding movie. Uh, Basically, you have Rufus Sewell, who's usually the bad guy in everything. Uh, uh, Rufus Sewell. Uh, is the protagonist of this movie, and um, and uh, he uh, he wakes up in a bathtub not knowing what has just happened, and uh, he finds out that he is uh, he he starts finding out things about his this the city and about this world that he lives in um, uh, over the course of the whole thing. You just find out that you know I mean I don't know if it's spoilery to say you know. Uh, but there's this other group of people who are obviously in control of things and they they basically make people sleep at midnight and they change things around um, when they make people sleep. And Rufus Sewell's character is one that uh, uh, is impervious to this this so-called tuning that these uh, this these this group does. Um, he's impervious to it. So he's, he's trying to find out the truth about his city and everything. And it's just well done. The visuals of it. If you watched this movie and you knew it was in 1998 and, uh, you didn't know who directed it, you would have thought that it was the Wachowskis because it looks kind of like the matrix in a lot of ways. Um, the, um, the, uh, the, the city that he he's going around in is very comic booky. It's it's very much like a set, you know, and it's just a very cool set. But it has sort of a, it sort of it, there's a reason for it, you know. It's not like it's that because it was too cheap or whatever like that. It's just uh, there's a reason for why things look so weird. And everything, and that comes from a lot of the perspective in this movie. But a lot of great uh, turns in this. William Hurt as a detective. Jennifer Connelly plays Rufus Sewell's wife. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland, probably in one of his oddest roles uh, he's ever played. He's playing kind of like an Igor type character um, in this. 
cannot recommend Dark City enough. And uh, and uh, it came up the other day. It's got a great soundtrack. Um, uh, really good sci-fi movie. And I don't want to explain too much about it, or, or else you it ruins sort of the surprise sure. of it. But uh, yeah. I've actually, I've actually never seen Dark City, so that's a great recommendation for me. I will have to check that out. That was uh, before the days when I was watching uh, everything, before my movie critic days, so I never got a chance to see mm-hmm. that one. And I know it's uh, Alex Proyas, who I haven't necessarily yes. enjoyed. I haven't necessarily enjoyed the other stuff he's done, so there right. wasn't anything pulling me back to it. So I'm glad you mentioned it. It's really interesting his career because it starts with the Crow and. I, you know, The Crow, I don't know if I, I haven't seen it in forever. I don't think I'd consider that a good movie. Um, I think the, the sort of the details around Brandon Lee's death and everything sort of like gave that movie a little bit more of a, I don't know, resonance for yeah, people. Well, there was a curiosity uh, to it too. And I think, uh, I think that drew, drew people into it. Right. Well, I believe his very next movie was Dark City and it's just, if you look at all the other movies he's done, like iRobot, I, and uh, there's like a couple others like that are just really he did that. Knowing type movies, uh, yeah, knowing. Oh yeah, <laughs> knowing. Um, uh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't inform you how good Dark City is. Uh, there was this sort of period of time in the late '90s and uh, the early aughts where you had this real um, this real sort of uh, I don't know. There was an idea about memories and uh, what your reality was. And uh, there were a lot of movies in the year. You had Truman Show. Um, Then you had The Matrix come out the following year. And then you had Memento uh, in 2000, 2001. Uh, All sort of, you know, going over that theme of memory and uh, and your reality and everything. And uh, Dark... Uh, like I said, when I first watched it, um, I just I, I was like, I just I just can't get into this. I was 21 when the movie came out, uh, but later on, you start to appreciate so many things about it. And um, yeah, uh, yeah, Alex Proyas, you wouldn't you wouldn't think considering well, all the other movies. And we haven't even mentioned his latest movie uh, that came out last year, which is Gods of Egypt. So uh, yeah, right. there's, not, there's not a lot <laughs> to pull you towards. Yeah. Proyas, but uh, but yeah, I'll have to check out Dark City. That's a good recommend. My Buried Treasure is not a great movie, but I think it might be worth the watch. Uh, and so I wanted to bring it up because it was kind of here and gone pretty quickly. Uh, but The Hitman's Bodyguard is now out on uh, on digital and uh, on DVD. And man, mm. there is so much wrong with this movie, but it is so easy to look past when you're having a great time with Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson, who's giving, I think, one of his best performances in his recent films. Uh, wow. I, I think these two are so fun together that it makes all the nonsense that would usually distract me just kind of fade away because I'm laughing at uh, what they're doing. So um, I just wanted right. to throw a little recommend out there. If you just want a stupid comedy that's going to make you laugh a little bit, uh, the Hitman Hitman's Bodyguard is is not a bad one uh, to go with. I you know I I will say it does get raunchy. You know it's rated R that kind of thing. But um, but man, there there is one scene with Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I'll just say he's sitting at a bar because I don't want to give anything away. But to those who've seen it, they they will be able to place that scene. And I laughed out loud for a good three minutes uh, at that scene. It is just that when Ryan Reynolds is nailing it, he is one of the funniest dudes working. So um, so that's one yeah. I would recommend. 
Yeah, I was. I was. I was not going to expect. I was not expecting you to say that was a good movie. I haven't <laughs> seen it, um, but uh, I saw the trailers for it, and I was like, "Well, I like both of those guys. Uh, I don't know if I want to see this movie." Yeah, so. I think if you go in with really, really low expectations, you can maybe have a good time. Like I said, even before I, I, you know, went into recommending it. Uh, it is not a mm-hmm. great film. You know, you're not going to go to film school and they're going to bring up the Hitman's Bodyguard as a homework assignment for you to look at and see how to make great movies. Uh, what mm-hmm. you can do is, if you have an off night and you want something to laugh at, throw it in. If you're if you're a Ryan Reynolds fan or a Samuel Jackson fan, I think you're going to have a good time. So, uh, a light yeah. recommend with low expectations is probably where I would land on that. Mm-hmm. Well, we did it, Chris. We did a podcast. It happened. Yeah. Woo-hoo. We did one, man. Holy podcasting. crap. It's something that happens it's, sometimes. It's... Podcasting. How does it work? <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us for Sif Pop today. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Studio DNA. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash Studio DNA. Huge thanks again to today's guru, Chris from CinemaSins. Thank you, Chris, for hanging out with us today. Is there anything you want to plug? Anywhere you want to send people? Uh, I mean, we we still have a CinemaSins, uh, you know, YouTube channel, of course, that uh, comes out with two videos every week, as long and and uh, as well as a music video sins channel that comes out with two every week. Um, we our podcast is uh, Sincast, uh, presented by CinemaSins, and um, we come out with one of those every Monday. Uh, so those are the things that um, that we do, man. I'm a listener, an avid listener to the Sincast. I think you guys do a great job. I'm loving the Mount Rushmore stuff that you're doing right now. Uh, they mm-hmm. are currently in a series where they are taking a topic or a category and doing their Mount Rushmore. So they'll pick the four things that belong etched into stone on the mountain for whatever category you're doing. And uh, I've really been enjoying not only listening to those, but uh, guessing, you know, at what you guys are going to say before, you know, the podcast goes live because you'll tweet out the, you know, the topic or whatever. And so it's it's been really fun to right. kind of interact with with that Mount Rushmore thing. That's been a, been a blast. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's fun to talk about, man. We uh, we've we've got we've had the angles of, you know, uh, the best of each year that we've been alive. And then we did a tournament with those. And uh, and now the Rushmore thing is another fun thing that we've been doing. So I've really been enjoying uh, actually uh, doing those uh, podcasts. If you want to check out the Sincast, I think it's pretty easy. Whatever podcast player you use, just search for Sincast uh, and you should be able to come up with it pretty quickly. Uh, huge thanks as well to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible. Support starts at 3 bucks a month, comes with some pretty fun perks. You can find out more information on that at patreon.com slash studio DNA, which is the name of the podcast network. There's lots of ways to stay connected with Sif Pop. Uh, you can hit up SoundCloud. Uh, you can tweet at me, at Aaron Dicer. Uh, you can also do Apple Podcasts, uh, rate, make a comment there. That always helps. Or you can email at feedback at sifpop.com if you have any comments or maybe you want to send us on a Sift quest. Uh, we would absolutely appreciate it. You can do that there. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than picking a winner between Thor and Hulk. Spoiler chat for this week's movie should be up in your podcast feed next, and we'll see you back next week for either murder 
on the Orient Express or Daddy's Home 2. We'll have to make a decision, uh, but we'll see you back for one of those. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.